0: Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, welcome to the final half hour of our two-part series with serial entrepreneur, Neil Asher. If you missed part one, I definitely recommend that you listen to that. We talked about some of the businesses that Neil bought and sold, the lessons he learned from each sale, and the clever approaches that got him top dollar for his most successful business sale. To continue our interview with Neil, today we drill into his encounters with accountants and brokers in the M&A space. We have great tips on what business owners ought to look for when choosing the right advisor to assist in your business sale. And of course, on the flip side, Neil also gives some excellent advice to our accountants and brokers who want to get ahead and provide more value to their clients. So keep listening and let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, are you? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. I just have a number of other very short questions, but sure. I, I'd, I'd heard you speaking on a previous podcast about um, a business that you had bought um, and then sold that had taught you about some uh, issues in considering the timing of a sale.
1: Oh, I know what we may be referring to. Okay, so I think I know. And if you're not, then I think it's a it's an instructive story nonetheless. Okay, good work. Uh, so... I had a, um, a life coach training company uh-huh. called New Insights, and uh, we started that business and uh, we, we grew it very successfully. We grew it from zip to, it was just under $8 million a year in, in turnover in just under two years, something like that. Wow. So we had great growth for the business, which of course brings along a whole raft of different problems. I think the thing that you're you you've remembered is the the sale time of the business when we actually come to say, sell that business we had and this is a very very lucky thing on my part and a very unlucky thing for the acquirer of the business at that back then but uh we we had systemized that business wrapped it up very very nicely and I had been searching for a, a buyer of that business and it was a life coach training company. So I needed—I knew I needed a particular kind of individual who was more holistically minded, shall we say, to buy something like that. And, uh, and so we ultimately found a great guy uh, who would suit the business really, really well. And he had an existing structure that he could get some good, he could bring the two businesses together and one would feed the other really, really well. Anyway, so we, we did the deal and I did the deal back then. I did the deal on a vendor finance deal. So we had sold the business for, I can't remember, it was just under a million, something like that. Uh, but let's just say it was a million just for ease of maths. So we had sold the business for a million and we had done a 20% down, so 200,000 down with the rest of the money based upon the cash flow of the business at that time. Um, to then pay off using something like 75% of the the profits of the business, the gross profits of the business would go back to me over a period of time to pay off the business. So 200,000 in, the rest on the never-never to pay off the business, including a little bit of uh, interest from the back of it. And that was really, really good. He was happy with that. I was happy with that. I knew the business was systemized. And if nothing else, the systems that I'd built would ultimately pay me off the money that I, I was owed. And of course, we had a, a personal guarantees in place and that sort of thing. So I knew it was all going to be all good. 30 days after we'd signed contracts... There was a huge, this was in the UK, there was a huge expose done in the media about life coaching, about personal development, about um, the whole industry as a whole. And it was all done around one of the big players in that marketplace, a guy called Tony Robbins, and, and a number of other people who had all kind of jumped on the back of the coattails of Tony and built their own life coaching thing. It was all over the place, massive scandal. You know, this doesn't work. It's a terrible thing, all that sort of thing. And it was massive in the UK. So that business, of course, tanked as a result of that. Went from being extremely profitable, great revenue, to doing absolutely nothing in the space of a week. It went from great to holy cow in a week, um, so that's a good example of a, a very fortuitous, good timing, completely lucky exit on my part. Um, I had a personal guarantee in place with this guy, but man, I, I couldn't bring myself to kind of make the guy homeless. I just couldn't bring myself to do that. So we did end up losing money on it, but I, you know, I thought to myself, if I was, if I had that business, and what could you do? What could you have done? It's just one of those things. So he paid me out as much as he could. I thought, okay, well, you know, I, I got out of it some money. Yeah, and,
0: yeah. yeah. But
1: what are you going to do?
0: Wow. Well, yeah, absolutely, what are you going to do? <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> um, and I, I guess I'm interested in your um, experience with advisors in the area as well. So presumably you've dealt with accountants, you've dealt with lawyers, you've m- maybe dealt with brokers, maybe not, because, you know, I, I don't know if you still do. So what's your, um, you, you know, uh, I guess what's your... Advice that you give. Let's just start first with accountants. What some of the best um, interactions you've had with accountants, and what some of the worst that you've seen in dealing with preparing for a sale, and then and going through the sale process.
1: When I was selling um, that life coach training company, we had um, we had built the business from zip to eight million in turnover, and um, I, me and my wife built that. And I said to my wife, look, you know, it's on a roll. Let's sell it. Let's sell it as quickly as we can. Let's just cash out and sell it. We, We rode a trend in Australia. We rode a trend in Australia on the back of life coaching. And I said, let's sell it. So we went to a top four accounting firm. I won't mention who it was. We went to a top four accounting firm and spoke to somebody in their mergers and acquisition Department and they they said yes we'll come out and see you and I, I didn't speak to a partner I spent spoke somebody at a lower level within the organization so they came out to see us and they brought along a partner now I have had the pleasure of working with a lot of people and um, I am acutely aware that usually and this is going to be a gross generalization. <laughs> Usually, the higher up the food chain you go in an organization like that, the, the ability to rise in an organization like that is usually contingent upon the the opinion or the good opinion you have of yourself. Mm. tends to follow <laughs> that uh, the more arrogant you are about <laughs> what you do, the higher you can rise, particularly in very, very alpha male, female-driven environments yeah. like mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, I think. yeah. So, this lovely, lovely gentleman, who was very, very humble, not, uh, <laughs> came to see us with this other guy. And he was so dismissive of what, of what the business was and what, what the business had done. And uh, it was very, very clear instantly that it just – he berated, for instance, the guy that brought him. He, in front of us, berated him. For bringing him to see a business like this. Clearly, he wanted a $50 million a year, $100 million a year business. And our shitty $8 million a year business just wasn't cutting it for him. So that's probably my worst experience. Well, wow. um, my so best. I'm guessing one you didn't, is- hire <laughs>
0: no, I didn't hire them. Good
1: work. No. <laughs> they were not hired. Although, you know, I have, I have, um, I will gladly put aside my own, um, Opinions of people. If I think they can do the best job, I don't really care how arrogant or obnoxious they are. If I think they can do the best job, whatever, I'll just hire you. It's all good for me. But uh, the best, the best experience, particularly with accountants, are the accountants that um, are entrepreneurial in their own mindsets. And what do I mean by that? Well, I have found usually there are two types of accountants. There are people who Will tell you what what you cannot do. And there are people who will tell you what you cannot do and give you solutions that might just work to do it anyway. Right. And so, depending on what I'm looking for in any given business, uh, you need both. You need both. Some people, you need to be uh, extremely narrow in their focus of expertise. And you need those people, without a doubt, for some for some applications in business. And you also need the people who say, well, you know, you can't do that, Neil. But here's a way that you could do it. If we did it this way, then it might work. And you need those two people too. And uh, generally speaking, the first category of people you can hire for fifty, a hundred dollars. The second category of people tend to cost seven hundred and fifty, a thousand dollars an hour. So The ability to think creatively about problems seems to, certainly within the accounting sphere, 10x your worth to any given entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, that's, I I think, you know what, that is such a useful insight that um, you've given. Uh, And and I think, you know, it... It's a way of thinking as well that, you know, people can develop, you know, if they um, if they realise the uh, the benefit to their clients and then, you, you know, um, presumably as you're talking about, there is a benefit to them as well of um, increasing the value that they provide to their clients.
1: Absolutely. Of being able yeah, to think absolutely. outside of
0: the square and and not just come to uh, rash decisions based on the black and white text that they usually see, you know, to be able to think. Creatively, as you put it, which I, I completely agree with. So, and how about brokers? I'm, I'm really interested in your um, thoughts about brokers, given you uh, you clearly were in the industry yourself.
1: Yeah, uh, well, brokers, you know, are a great, great bunch of folks. I've had some wonderful experiences with brokers, and uh, unfortunately, with brokers, the thing that you are looking for is uh, is two things, I guess. First one is their, their ability to get your message to the marketplace. So because oftentimes a broker will become your de facto marketing department for your business. And so um, as an entrepreneur, you look at their ability to get your message out. And typically for businesses the, if you don't get any inquiries, then no amount of being the best salesperson in the world will sell you a business. So it all starts with inquiries. So I look at their ability to get the message out first. Where where are they doing that? How are they doing that? Uh, What are they doing outside of that? Uh, And then given that that's all in place, then you want to talk to a, a broker about the business. And I will always, always, always look for somebody who's had Uh, consistent results selling the type of business that I am selling because we all have our own inbuilt preferences and likes and dislikes. Um, I may be the world's worst salesperson for for selling hairdressing salons, for instance. I wouldn't have a clue how to do that. (laughs) Uh, But put me in front of somebody and get me to talk about online marketing and e-commerce. And more often than not, at the end of the conversation, they'll be excited about e-commerce. They'll be excited about uh, what's happening within the e-commerce frame because it's something I'm passionate about. So I, I look to play to people's strengths rather than trying to get them to do something that is outside of their, of their passions. That's, that's what I've discovered. So there is no real one-size-fits-all as as brokers comes. It's like real estate agents. If you're selling apartments, some people, for whatever reason, are awesome at selling apartments with beach views. You know they love the beach; it's what they live for. I just love going down the beach, Bondi Beach. is my favourite place to be. Oh, just look at it, Bondi. And they naturally sell for you. It's, it's that it's that natural enthusiasm that comes across and becomes contagious. That ultimately makes a sale. Yeah. It's the same in business. Yeah. You want their natural enthusiasm to shine through. For whatever sphere of business they love to sell.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's about finding their passion rather than you know the uh, going the scattergun, uh, which you know, we, which can happen. I have spoken to lots of people in the industry, um, you know, who feel they're in a position where you, they feel they just have to be very generic <laughs> and take whatever businesses are around. But you, you're making a good uh, demonstration of the benefits for niching down, which relates to some of the stories actually you were talking about earlier about the, you know, heading into the Amazon market into pet uh, probiotics, (laughs) which is really niching.
1: (laughs) You know, the the interesting thing is I haven't spoken to a lot of brokers. A a reasonable broker will make a sale a month for a business. One sale a month is a reasonable broker, okay, which is not ever going to make them rich. That's never going to make them wealthy and successful and rich. And so I, I've always come from the point of view that it is far, far better to, to pick a business, a business niche, restaurants, hairdressers, veterinary surgeons, whatever you, whatever they're interested in, and build up their brand around that and become the de facto player in that marketplace I believe that's a much better strategy for for anything. I mean, business brokers is one thing, but for anything, it's a much better strategy. Much better to target with laser-like focus than, uh, to use your words, to use that scattergun approach. It's never going to get you a great result. Be, Be the authority within selling cafes. Be the authority within doing that, and you'll get a much, much better result because you get to build a brand around who you are That then plays into the hand of if you're going to sell your restaurant you have to use whoever it may be you know if you're going to buy a restaurant you've got to go to this person they're going to get you the best deal they get the best restaurants they're going to get you the best deal mm.
0: and as you say better even if you have a bit of passion for that area too right Absolutely, <laughs> it's more, it's more fun too. yeah for everyone involved well Neil exactly. can I just say a massive thank you um, I've really enjoyed discussing um, all of these various topics with you I, I'm, I'm blown over by the number of uh, business businesses that you have clearly built <laughs> over time, you've uh, you've just provided insights from so many different perspectives. So, thank you for your time. Um, and do you have anything that our listeners might be interested in contacting you for, if they're interested in contacting
1: you? Sure. Look, the, I, I guess, uh, well, look, first and foremost, let me just say a huge thank you for having me on the podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed being on it. And uh, so a massive thanks for having me on and for taking the time out of your schedule to ask me some really great questions Where I've never been asked before, really insightful questions. So thank you for that. Um, and if anybody wants to find out a little bit more, look, I don't do any business brokering or anything like that, but I do share a lot about marketing and about online e-commerce about how to sell things online uh, through my YouTube channel. And the easiest thing to do is to go to YouTube. And just type in uh, Aussie Online Entrepreneurs or Neil Asher into YouTube and you'll find me on YouTube and you can watch hundreds of videos all about different aspects of marketing and how to make more money selling things online.
0: Yeah. And I I think, um, you know, uh, the things that you've been talking about today are, are fundamentals of marketing, but fundamentals of marketing that are as imperative to um, you know an Amazon-based business as it is to a broking business, as it is to an accounting practice, as it is to any business that's looking to build to sell. So um, you, you know, I, I thank you, and um, I will be popping over to your YouTube channel, and we'll also be putting it into the notes because you've um, said so many things here that I think are, are really universally um, applicable to our listeners, whatever they're doing at the moment. So. Thank you. Um, And I hope you have a fabulous afternoon. Or is it morning there where you are at the moment, Neil?
1: It's morning. It's 9 a.m. here in Portugal. So I'm living in Portugal.
0: Oh, wow. That is. I split my
1: time between the two countries. 9 a.m. here. Hard work, Neil. Hard
0: work. It is hard work.
1: (laughs) Somebody has to do it.
0: (laughs) Fabulous. Well, that's a wrap. That ends our insightful two part series with serial entrepreneur Neil Asher. The top three takeaways from today's episodes as a little bit of a recap are, firstly, for business owners out there who are looking to sell in the future, look for an accountant who is entrepreneurial in their mindset. As Neil said earlier, find someone who doesn't simply tell you what you can't do. Instead, go for an accountant who goes further, who gives you solutions that might just do it anyway. So for our accountants who are listening in, here's some helpful insight for you on how you might be able to add more value to your clients. Be creative in your approach to problems and take a step beyond mere compliance, what you can and can't do, and move into more of an advisory role where you suggest solutions that might just get things done for your clients. Secondly, in choosing a broker to help you sell your business, Neil talked about two important considerations. Number one, their ability to get your message out into the marketplace. And number two, get someone who's had consistent results in selling the type of business that you're selling. It's all about playing people's strengths. There's no one size fits all. And lastly, whether you're a business owner, accountant, or broker, get better results by finding your niche and building up your brand around that. Be the authority in your business space. And as we mentioned, it's even better if it's an area that you're passionate about. Once again, I hope you found this episode helpful. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to the Deal Room podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. And if you're one of our subscribers already, then thank you. We'd love to hear your thoughts, though. So if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave us a review. This helps us reach more people. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oakey and The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time.